This is episode 70. Do you eat mushrooms? How many types of mushrooms do you include in your dinner, your lunch, your breakfast? Did you know that they're in fact really important for your immune function? At a time on the planet when health is of the utmost importance to surviving, literally living through a global pandemic, strengthening the immune system could not be more vital right now. And one of the cornerstones of a healthy human and a healthy immune system is the consumption of a variety of mushrooms, which is why today's deep dive on medicinal mushrooms and mushroom supplements and their benefits comes at a powerful time. And we also talk a little bit about the antiviral properties of a particular mushroom species later in the episode. So, if you're ready to level up your immune system, and by God, we all should be right now, then this one is for you. Let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back to another great show. It is my mission to coach 150 individuals to create the healthy life that they truly want by the end of 2020. Now, before we dive into talking about medicinal mushrooms, I just wanted to send some love and a big thank you out to those of you in South Africa. I've just popped up on the charts out there for the first time, which is just simply amazing. I'm so, I'm just really grateful for you listening to my show and you're like so very far away, but we're so connected right now. So, thank you. (laughs) It's just so awesome that this stuff happens. I really should put together a bit of a list of all the amazing countries that have appeared on the list of, you know, podcast charts that I have appeared in and I'm very grateful to have to be able to say that I have a list of those countries especially you know given that this podcast is sort of my baby I'm genuinely so blown away and grateful for every one of you listening and the diversity of countries and cultures on the other end is just never what I expected so a massive thank you and please continue to share this with your friends and family and in particular if you're an Apple podcast user and listener giving the show five stars and a few sentences of review is so very helpful. So, please, if you can spend a minute or so now doing that, I would be very grateful. It it just contributes so massively with every single one of those reviews on Apple Podcasts. So, please please, please jump on there and help me grow the show. All right, now it's time to talk mushrooms, which I love to do. And I'm excited to have today's guest in the studio here with me. I'd like to introduce you to Jules Serendipity. Now, you might know Jules indirectly if you have ever supplemented mushrooms, at least here in Australia, as he is the co-founder of Australia's first organic certified tonic herb and mushroom supplement company called Telixa. And you know what? I myself have actually been using Telixa supplements for a couple of years now. Well, well before I ever knew Jules and they're really good. I highly recommend them. I'll definitely put a link in the show notes below. Um, In fact, that's actually the reason I invited him on the show is I wanted more people to know about this and to have access to them. So, not only that, before the Talixa business started, he also operated and still operates Serendipity Superfoods through which he also sells mushrooms, superfoods and tonic herbs at farmers markets. And so, today we're going to have a deep dive chat about mushrooms, how they can benefit your body both medically and enhancing or biohacking purposes, which are a few things that I'm very passionate about myself. So, a big warm welcome. Welcome to the show, Jules. How you doing? Hi. Well, I don't operate Serendipity Superfoods anymore. But what? Well, when did that end? Um, well, Serendipity Superfoods kind of um, flowed on to Telixa. So when I met my business partner, co co-founder of um, Telixa, Daniel, he kind of walked into my uh, tent. I suppose I used to have like a marquee at St Andrews Market in Victoria. And um, that's when I was running Serendipity Superfoods and it was sort of through a co-interest in tonic herbalism and what ultimately led to being primarily medicinal mushrooms. But again, any of those adaptogens that actually allow so much more flexibility than some of the other so-called superfoods. And um, we developed a formula uh, that was based on like Taoist um, tonic herbal principles Um, and it's a Jing formula. So Jing is, I guess, if you want to, translated over into a modern context, it's an adrenal formula. So it works on building kidney energy or Jing as what it's known in um, the Chinese. So we developed that while we were sort of, I was still running under the Serendipity Superfoods banner. 
And then ultimately that formula has, which is called primal essence, um, has, you know, continued on to this day with T-Lixa and T-Lixa broadened out and became something else over the couple of years. But yeah, serendipity superfoods, unfortunately, is no more. Although I, I actually did, um, I think that the 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 URL or I think that's what you call it is um actually still live because they they just automatically paid it so maybe that's why it, it seems <laughs> as if it's alive yeah it's right. alive in spirit <laughs> so can I ask why mushrooms like why do you, do you choose to focus on there why is the business around that or you know what, what was the journey to there that's a really big question and one that has a certain level of retrospect to it um I actually brought into the the studio, for example, to give you kind of an idea of the more geeky aspects, <laughs> um, I have some cordyceps mushrooms. So these are yeah, so cordyceps cool. gunnii. Um, so for your listeners, a cordyceps is a very interesting mushroom that's kind of uh, it. It the spore takes over the bodies of certain insects, and in the incense of say the sinensis, which is you know what we sell in as a primary one that's known, or the gunnii, it actually takes over the the body of a, a larvae of a, a moth. In, in in the instance of a the gunnii, it's a ghost gum moth, and once it's sort of mummified and taken over that. Um, have a play with it if you want so you can yeah. f- feel one. Um, they look so interesting. Yeah, they are. They're, they're very alien, right? And, you know, it's always the the fun thing. They actually, they call that one of the holy grails of mycology, if you can find a, a mushroom. And it's funny, in my first, I suppose, proper foray into mushroom hunting of all sorts, um, I actually found a cordyceps gunny eye sort of by a bit of intuition and luck and all that sort of thing. So yeah, I feel pretty grateful. And I've I've had some pretty cool mushroom experiences in terms of the things that I found out there, but that's slightly different. But yeah, so the, the larvae then basically um, once it's fully invaded by the, the mycelium and the spore, it uh, will actually form a club head, which is the, the fruiting body of the mushroom. And that's all you actually see poking out of the ground. So I know that's sort of like a divergence from your question, but I suppose for me, mushrooms is more of a lifestyle, um, which is different to just the medicinal aspects of it. I'm interested in all sorts. I've, I mean, I've even been fascinated, not like in a dark kind of way, but I've been even fascinated by the Amanita phyllodes, which is the death cap, which is a mushroom that causes extreme organ failure and ultimately a very painful death. So, you know, anything from that to like truffles, which is like a really um, famous gourmet subterranean fungus, I got obsessed with them for like several years. Uh, but with in terms of the medicinal mushrooms and in terms of the, the gin tonics that I was talking about before, which me and Dan put together, both Dan and I were at one point very depleted from like, you know, lifestyles and um, like he's actually in uh, a famous band, would you believe? He, he never likes to admit this, so I'm just going to take the opportunity to use that against him. But um, he's actually on tour at the moment. He's in a band called Miami Horror. So he's the keyboardist of Miami Horror. And um, just he told me the other day, like he's traveled probably in over 500 flights which is an extreme amount. And if you understand that it's a closed system that has so many um, pathogens and toxic environments as well as the upper radiation of the the Earth's atmosphere, it really does take it out on you. And um, as much as he's a trooper at doing that, like when I met him, he was quite spent. Um, At the time, he was a vegan um, and, yeah, just like, you know, I think probably that, rock and roll lifestyle had taken it out on him and myself I had um I don't know I just I was just spent I think also I was a a long-term dedicated vegetarian at the time and uh it um I was just exhausted. So anyway, we made this formula and we started to replenish ourselves from that. But prior to that I'd actually bought Paul Stamets mushrooms um when I went over to Bali and I like, he'd actually just changed his brand over. So I got all these mushrooms really cheap. And I remember I just used to smash them, but it was really more from the immune perspective at that point that I was, and also cause I was interested in every superfood under the planet. 
on the planet, sorry, um, I was kind of, you know, dipping my toe into this area and this, that area. But after a period of time, um, when I first managed to find mushrooms here in Australia, which was, there was quite a bit of serendipity to that too. Um, like that, that day had quite a bit of significance. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I started actually getting um, medicinal mushrooms in. But at that time, and this is actually a really important thing to understand, um, when you go to somewhere like America, like nine out of 10 mushrooms that you buy is what's called mycelium on grain. Now, what that means for your listeners is that when you have a growing medium that's not native to what the mushroom actually needs. And in the case of a lot of the medicinal mushrooms, say like the reishi and the shaga and the turkey tails and the shiitakes, they actually need to have at the very minimum wood chips, if not actually be grown on logs, right? Um, which by the way, that's what we do and, and we support that. But in the early days, we were getting these mushrooms that were um, mycelium on grain. And it's funny because I didn't get reishi back then. Like I got shaga. Shaga was what excited me because it was like half wild, half cultivated. By the way, the cultivated stuff doesn't necessarily have a lot of the radio protective, radioactive protective qualities and, and other qualities that you find in the wild mushroom. In fact, one of the shaga experts in the world um, believes that the closer that the shaga is grown to the northern lights, it's actually those light frequencies that affect the qualitative analysis of what's in the shaga mushroom and instinctively i feel that that's true you know so there there's a huge variety of of quality even in in the shaga realm but yeah so it started to become a kind of an organic thing that retrospectively i realized all my life i was obsessed with mushrooms but just purely by the fact that um we were one of the only people who were actually um, working with mushrooms in the beginning, it was quite difficult. We had to educate a lot of people and all that sort of thing. And the quality that we had really wasn't inspiring me um, up until a certain point. But when we got genuine 10 to 1 extracts right, that were coming from China and not America, and then we took those and we took the ratio and we started to feel the incredible calmative effect right, that you know works through your heart and your liver then all of a sudden reishi had significance and we knew what it was, you know. And the shaga was even more bitter and had like an, an even more um, energizing effect to it. And then we knew what that was. And then you take the cordyceps and it would give you more energy because it's got that lung, liver, kidney quality to it. And then we knew what that was. And then you take the lion's mane, which is slightly different because nerves, as you would know, like takes, you know, a little bit of time for it to actually take root. You can't just take it. Although I do actually have a friend who, who believes when, the moment he takes it, he feels super energized and stuff. Um, but like for mo the most part, it takes, you know, a week of actually building it up because the nerves are kind of peripheral in nature in the body. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, that's a quite a, a broad question because really when I started to retrospectively look at it in 2015, which was my big mushroom year where I spent a huge amount of time out in the field picking all sorts of different mushrooms and getting to know them, but also looking at like the very first memory I have of, of seeing an Amanita muscaria, which is what we know as a toadstool or a fly garrick mushroom, um, when I was a kid and, and the resonance that I have with that mushroom and, you know, various other things besides and just sort of being obsessed very much like a my the mycelium itself spreading out to so many different areas and exploring it. But really in terms of what's important to deliver to people, like as much as I can be fascinated and, and geek out over all these mushrooms, it's really, especially these primary four, but also like, which is shaga, reishi, cordyceps and lion's mane, but also some of these other peripheral ones like miyataki and shiataki and agaricus blazii, etc. And I started realizing, especially as people started going, oh my God, this is working for me. It's doing X, Y, and Z. I realized just how much benefit these had compared to the cacao, bee pollen, mesquite, leucoma, 
um, you know, other things that I was selling. And so over time it became increasingly reduced down to the medicinal mushrooms and the tonic herbs. Yeah, right. Well, you packed a lot in there. There's so much to dig out. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad you summarized those uh, those top four there because I think a lot of our listeners are going to be familiar with button mushrooms from a supermarket and whatever else they might find in a supermarket. So, it was it was good. But when we talk about the use on the body, a lot of people listening um, are going to be you know, sort of really distant to the idea of different mushrooms. Sort of you and I are, you know, pretty familiar with the nutrition stuff. But what what kind of things can the the body benefit from in regards to mushrooms and why this wide variety? Why can't button mushrooms just just solve the problem at the supermarket? Why all these other types? Well, let, let's start with button mushroom, right? We take for granted how easy it is to go and get button mushrooms. It actually, originally when mushrooms were grown, they were grown in caves and it was a bit of a hit and miss kind of methodology to actually get mushrooms to grow. There's a reason why there's certain wild mushrooms that are worth so much like matsutake um, and morels because they can't be grown um, in a cultivated setting. Actually, there is someone who worked out how to grow morels, but anyway, that's, that's another story. But, and it's not that the button mushroom doesn't have value right? It actually does. Um, you know, to quote Paul Stamets, he doesn't really differentiate between mushrooms as being medicinal or, or, or um, something that's culinary. I have a slightly different opinion about that. I, I really do feel like there's some heavy hitters that are, you know, well above and beyond, you know, the button mushroom, but the button mushroom has hormonal, you know, qualities to it. And it supposedly helps like the bones and stuff like that. Where the difference is, is that a button mushroom is sort of grown, um, you know, in dirt, I suppose, right? Whereas the medicinal mushrooms that were traditionally associated with being medicinal, with the exception of cordyceps, are primarily what is called a white rot fungus. And a white rot fungus means that, say, when you go out into the forest and you see like a little ledge right? That's generally a Ganoderma, right? If it's like a, a decent sized ledge, that's a Ganoderma. So that's what the reishi is. When you see those kind of like, almost like um, a whole grouping of like butterfly wings or, um, you know, wavy multicolored things, that's generally a turkey tail. And those are kind of the fruiting body that's, you know, preparing to basically shoot its spores so it can then ultimately go and find other wood that needs to be broken down and returned to the environment. So it's a marriage between, without, without going too much into that, it's a marriage between the, what it does for the ecosystem and how that translates over into your body. So Say if you take shaga, which is not actually inherently a mushroom, it's actually a sclerotia, which means that it's sort of a compounded mass of storage material in a mycelial form, there is actually a fruiting body. So it's not putting out spores, it's sort of just collecting energy. But it's the relationship between the birch tree, which if we look at it from a natural medicine perspective, the birch has its own, you know, qualities that we can use just as a single alone. Um, and shaga has its own certain qualities, but really it's kind of a marriage between those two, the tree and the mushroom. And so unlike the sort of mushrooms that you would kind of run around and pick in the forest, it's the energies of the trees. And when you look at some of these old school medicines, they talk about the medicines of the trees Right, the trees of the elder, the trees of the birch, the tr you know, sorry, the medicines of the the birch and the elder and the oak, and so the mushrooms that tend to grow on that are creating very very special properties. Now I know you probably want me to elucidate more, so maybe you can lead me into like what you would rather, like where where to go with that, so that it's a little bit more structured for your audience. But in a nutshell, that's that's what makes them so vastly different, and I think that the cordyceps right, really is a marriage between an insect and a mushroom. And so it's it's combining these two energies. Um, and the cordyceps is going to have very special properties because it's providing for the ecosystem in the fact that it protects the tree, which if I can be a little bit naughty and say is actually 
say in the case of the gunny eye and very likely the, um, some of the other ones, it's the most, um, DMT rich tree in the world. So, and excusing humans interpretation of what that means, cause I've talked about this before at, you know, in talks and stuff, imagine that maybe something like DMT actually has a value outside of human use, but really for the environment itself. And that's far more important. And so this mushroom is actually protecting the tree, right? And its resources from being invaded by too many of these moths that would ultimately destroy these trees. Anyway. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. And for our listeners, DMT is dimethyltryptamine and we'll do an entire episode on that at another point or just Google it. Joe Rogan, it's a it's a massive rabbit hole, but um, so so what you're suggesting is because they're all so different and they've all got their own unique properties, is that instead of just buying button mushrooms, get a whole collective of different different types of mushrooms into your diet, into your onto your plate type of thing. Um, well, I mean, I I suppose I was talking more specifically about the medicinal mushrooms. Um, some of the mushrooms that you could buy from a supermarket, for instance, aren't necessarily grown on logs, but that's what they really need to have that medicinal quality. So I imagine people are familiar with shiitake. They may not buy it or eat it, but they're familiar with it because like the Chinese um, and the Japanese are huge proponents of the shiitake mushroom because it's got, I mean, it's one of the mushrooms that's been studied for a lot of medicinal benefits, especially by the Japanese scientists. I was out at dinner with my family one one night almost 10 years ago and the first time that I ever saw the word shiitake and I genuinely ordered ordered by saying shitake. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's actually, um, I'm trying to think of the, the comedian. It's a family joke Yeah, yeah, yeah shiitake. <laughs> shiitake mushrooms. Are you serious? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, actually, um, you know, taki means tree, and it's just the the tree of she, yep. really. That's why, like, miyataki, um, matsutaki. But so the the point being is that a lot of the supermarket ones are, are probably grown on grain, which is really unfavorable. Um, the button mushrooms um, and the button mushrooms are really grown kind of just sort of in a myceliated kind of like peat. Um, well, if, just but, for the but, listeners, but with the shiitake, yeah, if it, like would be grown either on grain or something like that, and the, you know this is a really big thing. If you guys are going to get into mushrooms, right, understand that mushrooms are accumulators of toxins uh, and good things too. But they they really accumulate heavy metals and toxins from their environment. Um, and this is one of the reasons we've gone to such lengths to ensure that ours don't have that because otherwise, what's the point? It's the same thing as like irradiated mushrooms. Like the reishi that I've I've brought in here, like I, I'm not going to lie to you, man. Like this is absolutely irradiated. I bought that from a Chinese shop. And it's really more something that I carry around with me. It does still have the shen aspect. It does still have the immune modulating qualities to it, but it's got an irradiated um, issue that you've got to then deal with. But in terms of most of the mushrooms that are, you know, grown for supermarket, um, purposes, they 
definitely have a bunch of toxins and things that you don't want because of the way they've been grown. So if you are going to buy mushrooms, buy organically or, you know, support your local farmer's market and find out, ask the question, say, you know, how do you grow these things? And, you know, ideally you'll get an honest answer. That answer and the best answer being that they're grown organically on logs? Um, no, look, not necessarily because button mushrooms aren't grown on logs. Right, so so they're a different kind of mushroom. Oyster mushrooms, you know, should be grown at least at least like on on wood chips, because it's understandable that like putting things and inoculating a log may not be um, commercially viable, and that's totally understandable depending on where you are. But you can mimic that by actually using wood chips. So it's it's a slightly quicker version, but you're still feeding it with the right material. If you look at grains, grains are like the McDonald's of of the food source for mushrooms. So you're only going to get um, a certain quality if those mushrooms have been grown in the right environment on the right medium. And it's much more important with the medicinal mushrooms. Like to be fair, if you just want to go out and eat mushrooms, it's fine. Just like try and avoid ones that are, you know, riddled with toxins like herbicides and pesticides and things like that. Yeah, that's great advice. Mm, <laughs> the yeah. less toxins, the better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what, what are the main kind of, of the top four that you deal with um, primarily, what are the benefits? Like why would somebody take, can you go through each one of those four and sort of give a couple of reasons as to why someone would consume them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we might as well kick off with Shaga. We're basically drinking Shaga, so that's Yeah, this, uh, this concoction that Jules has brought in is actually amazing. Uh, big thank you to my friend who made a, alchemical triprima formula of chaga and added it to all the other extra chaga bits that I put in there. Oh, so good. It's delicious. So chaga was really my first love, as I said before. And, you know, as much as this is a marketing thing to say, there is a certain value to it. Like reishi is kind of, you know, supplanted chaga for that. But chaga is kind of like the king and reishi is like the queen. And even though it's not totally fair, the, the way you could when you understand all of the things that Shaga does, some of them I can't really say here, like there's just a laundry list. It's insane. But one of the big things I think for Shaga, if we kind of want to dumb it down and make it simple, the way I sort of see Shaga is it relates to the element of earth. And when you think of earth, you think of solidarity and you think of like energy, but not like overexcited energy, um, clarity in that energy as well. And um, one of the big things that Chaga has is antioxidants. Like it's it's pretty much considered the highest SOD producing herb or plant on the planet. And um, reishi is really, really up there, but Chaga is, and you'll forgive me for not remembering the exact details, it's like 10 to 50 times more potent in terms of its SOD production. And so it really shows that in terms of being able to, you know, get rid of free radicals in the body, it's a serious heavy hitter. Um, oh, just for the listeners, SOD is um, superoxide, superoxide dismutase. dismutase. Yeah, which it takes out most of the, well, the most prominent free radical in the body. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Well, it's And also it's rather than being something that you're putting into your body, it's something that's naturally produced in your body which is important. You want to feed that, you know, it's, it's great to have, you know, your, your vitamin C's and all these things, but those things are, um, exogenous, which means that they're coming from the outside. Whereas Shaga is giving you like a huge amount of, you know, your body's ability to be able to produce what it naturally can, you know? And I think that like when we go from the path of least resistance, that's really important. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed Chaga. It's got this um, ability, like I don't know if you're noticing this, Matt, but like it, your your body tends to heat up a little bit. I mean, I turn the air conditioner down, but like <laughs> it, it tends to like heat the body up and I've had that experience a number of times. So it's a really good thing to have in winter. Yeah, right. Um, if you're about to jump into like a cold river or do something like that, like – well, I'm pretty, pretty sure in Finland there was a period where coffee was. I was going to say, yeah, that. That's where, literally, was yeah, where coffee was like virtually inaccessible, and the whole country virtually switched over to chaga as their as their coffee drink. Yeah, and what's interesting about that? That was actually during um, World War Two. That's it. Yeah, and um, 
basically that would have given them a serious edge because like the coffee also would have given you a serious edge, a bit of a different kind of edge. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think that like by heating the body and allowing it to like produce so much of those antioxidants and give it so much strength, that would have allowed those soldiers to survive what would be some very, very bitter cold conditions. So it was kind of an interesting choice, even if it was sort of a happy accident. So um, yeah, I think that like... I suggest your readers like do some research on all the cool things that Shaga does. Um, you know, I guess in parenthesis, if you were to use the prefix anti and then kind of like add a whole bunch of things onto that, it really does cover a lot of those, you know, um, it's, you know, it's very anti-inflammatory. It's anti-pain. Um, it's antiviral as well. It's, it's yeah. antiviral. Um, yeah, it's it's very antiviral. And actually, that's a good point. I think one of the big things about medicinal mushrooms is their ability to immune modulate, which means it allows the immune system to pretty much downregulate any like pathogenic activity. And one of the big ones is actually that it boosts what's called natural killer cells or NK cells, which are, I, I sort of see these as like the the members of the Royal Guard of the immune system. I, I still, you probably know this better than me, but I kind of can't fathom why it is there's not more of them. Um, there's probably a reason, but I think it only makes up like 5% or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty low, but the, the idea is that they're upregulated upon invasion. Yeah, production yeah. is upregulated. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. In, in, in a healthier fun- functioning yeah, immune system. I suppose they could kind of go rogue and yeah, totally <laughs> just destroy everything. But I mean, in terms of like phagocytes, they are pretty much the best in terms of getting rid of it. They, they nothing can stop them. But anyway, so Chaga so, a heavy hitter. What else we got? Yeah. Okay. So um, I guess my my next love was reishi. Now reishi's really interesting because. Reishi, I sort of see associated more with the element of water. And the reason for that is you you can kind of see, you know, it's got soft, round lines, and that's very reflective of how it's been seen in history. I I was recently in China, and I went to the Forbidden City, and there's basically all this, like, reishi and also dragon iconography. So it was considered a Shen mushroom. Now, Shen is sort of the opposite end of, of what I said before, which is Jing. Shen is spirit. So back in the days, they considered a leader or a king or an emperor to not only be kind of in a position of political power, but needing to rule with... Uh, wisdom. Uh, Reishi is basically known as the mushroom of wisdom and the mushroom of immortality and things like that. So over time, it bestows a wisdom upon the person who consumes it. And back in those days, it was actually a capital offense to possess it unless you were part of that nobility class, particularly like the imperial class, or you were part of um, the monastic or I guess, um, religious aspect because you needed to engage in that wisdom. And reishi was very rare. Like now it's actually something that's cultivated and um, whether it's like wild cultivated or whether it's like cultivated in a lab, which we obviously don't want that as we've discussed before. But it used to be only found on one in every 10,000 trees. And and certainly the quality of that reishi would be on a whole nother level. It, it really would. But for what we need in the West, like we can actually produce stuff that is extremely beneficial for the physical body. But Reishi's first tenant, I suppose, is that spirit aspect. So it actually bestows wisdom. Now, how that translates over to a modern context is that Reishi really is an incredible stress adapter. It's considered one of the most powerful adaptogens on the planet. And um, so because we have so much stress and so much modern day malaise, it has such a great ability to basically allow for those stress um, issues that we are affected by to just, just be calmed down. So you can actually, and as I've often seen, especially with sensitive people, you can give them a dose of reishi and they can feel it instantly. They can feel it go into their heart. They can feel their their mind calm down because it's also got that mind quality too. It calms the mind, calms the heart, right? Calms the liver, right? Because when we remember that liver is the seat of anger, right? It calms all these things down and you just get clearer. And while that's not an everyday thing, you do get used to it. I understand that. It's such an important tool because people are so, so stressed. 
And just like the chaga, it also boosts natural killer cell activity. And it's got a huge kind of range of other healing benefits as well. You know, it's used as an augment for, for different therapies. And there's, and there's been an enormous amount of study. Actually, unlike chaga, which is sort of relatively unknown, right, because it's primarily associated as a Siberian or a Russian folklore medicine, it's only in relatively recent times it's been looked at, whereas reishi has been revered for thousands of years and studied for decades, particularly, again, by the Japanese. So that's sort of reishi in a nutshell. Then we kind of move on to cordyceps. Now, cordyceps is a really interesting one because apart from all the fun stuff I talked about with cordyceps, cordyceps is considered a premier jing tonic. Now, again, the jing is associated with the kidneys, right, and associated with like that original essence. And it's considered by some herbalists to be the only herb that will actually rebuild what is called prenatal jing. Now, prenatal jing, if you imagine that you're kind of given a cup of, you know, uh, water or whatever, and over time you pour that out, that's what you're given at birth and you can't replenish that water. It doesn't matter what you do, but it's considered that if you take cordyceps for a long period of time, a very extended period of time on a daily basis, you can actually start to rebuild that prenatal jing. Um, I mean, I think it's a wider topic for another time. Yeah, for sure. It's another podcast. Yeah, exactly. Like cordyceps is really known as um, a herb that will basically boost libido. And, you know, there's certain stories around the the yaks herdsmen in the Tibetan plateau where it's traditionally associated with, uh, you know, sort of seeing their yaks eating it and then becoming fertile, as you were. And so they sort of started to make this association between cordyceps and that um, – and I think uh, biochemically, it, it helps with the biosynthesis of, of cortisol, of estrogen, of testosterone, which would give rise to why that it contributes to sexual stimulation. And Absolutely. Yeah, well, it's that and it's coupled with what I was saying before, that kidney essence. Like, because your kidneys, at least in, in TCM or, or Taoist tonic herbalism, are associated with the reproductive system and with the bones. So you'll find that with, it doesn't matter what that particular herb is, whether it's cordyceps or... Um, um, I mean, Shari's got some of that too, right? It will basically build that kidney, kidney energy because when people are depleted, right, that's when they start to lose libido. It's really important to remember for your listeners that libido is not just associated with sex drive. Libido is associated with drive for life. If you don't have libido, you can't do anything, you know, and you can actually translate that libido into a totally different format. A classic example being Muhammad Ali, who stayed 100% celibate, like at least for one year, leading up to the rumble in the jungle with George Formal, right? So, you know, when we see libido in that sense, we can actually see it as a valuable treasure. And that's why the Chinese associate Jing as being one of the sacred treasures. There's three treasures, which is Jing, Qi, and Shen, right? And you're ultimately trying to cultivate more of that spirit, that Shen, that calmness, that lightness, that, um, you know, service to others, etc. And you you do that by actually having a, a formidable and a strong Jing, and you can't do it without that. You see that because you see people who are intelligent and, and capable in all other respects, but because they just don't have that energy or they're sick, um, or whatever's going on for them, they just can't do it, right? Anyway, so that that's cordyceps, like in a nutshell. Um, again, there's there's more to cordyceps, and I strongly recommend you look into that. It's it's awesome. Um, and as I said, I have this particular love for cordyceps because I wild harvest them. And then the final one, which is really weird, right? Because um, Ed, who I was telling you about before, my alchemist friend, he um, he was the one who got lion's mane before me. Well, this is my favorite. Right. <laughs> I had some um, of your lion's mane today. Yeah, nice. Um, lion's mane's a funny one. It, it, it took me a while to really fundamentally get it. And I associate, oh, I should have said as well, cordyceps I associate with fire. You see that like something that comes out of death, life that comes out of death is that very much that action of fire. And cordyceps is so heavily associated with um, athleticism. You know, if you want a mushroom that's going to give you athletic edge, it works through the lung, liver, and kidneys. As I said, kidneys gives you that that core essence energy, which is different to a coffee energy, by the way. It's an energy that is like a reservoir of energy rather than an expression of that energy. And um, 
the lungs obviously, you know, opening up and allowing you to like run faster and better is really important and you need a functional liver to do that too. So I associate that with fire. And the final one, lion's mane, dum, 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 I, <laughs> I associate with air. And why is that? Because when we think of the stillness of the mind, we can understand that air is not wind. Wind is fire and air, right? Air is actually a stillness of something that we can't and really can't see. But when we think of it from a meditative perspective, that stillness is the stillness of the mind. And we see that basically express itself in the lion's mane because the lion's mane is um, fundamentally to do with the mind. And obviously there's a lot of science stuff to do with that in terms of like breaking down amyloid plaques and preventing neurodegenerative disorders um, as well as, you know, building nerve growth factor. And and the research behind that is really strong. Like, yeah, it's really abso- impressive. Absolutely, and it's funny because lion's mane is also associated with the gut, and I I postulate this is a theory. Um, the organ, the mesentery, right, which kind of regulates the rhythm of your entire digestive system. I believe that the nerve growth factor in lion's mane is actually allowing for the mesentery to its, to do its job even better. And especially if it's kind of a little bit off kilter, it's going to basically bring it more into alignment. Because the big kind of buzzword that everyone's talking about now is like, you know, the gut mind, right? Because there's so much talk about kombucha and fermented foods and things like that. Well, I believe that lion's mane because of its action in the gut is kind of almost like a reflection. So you've got your gut down there and you've got your gut, uh, sorry, your, your mind down there and your, your mind where you traditionally associate your mind, which is in your brain. So yeah, I, I think lion's mane is really fascinating. I had an awesome experience with lion's mane. It's Shen, uh, you know, and when you look at it, it's like a little fluffy, cute, cloudy kind of Looks like it looks yeah, like one of those baby fur seals. It's a beautiful mushroom. Yeah. yeah, but like being in the presence of it, like when I was, like we we were in a hurry to get to this. Like we were in just everything was just so fast what we were doing, and I was like, oh my god, I I hope I can do this. This is this is going to be epic. But like when I was around the lion's mane, it activated my brain. I could feel it, and and not just in a a way that everyone's kind of getting excited about, like that whole. Um, neural aspect, but it felt like there was a spirit aspect to it that I hadn't felt before. Um, and it was something I needed to have because I'd had this long association with Reishi and I was kind of like wondering how is Lion's Mane taking like front and center? Well, I think that um, just like people need to have their stress adapted, I think also they need their brains to calm down too. And, and like one thing that I've sort of thrown on the table because Lion's mane, I don't know if you know this, its Japanese name is Yamabushitake. And Yamabushitake means kind of, well, Taki, as I said, means tree. But the Yamabushi are like these crazy mountain warrior monks who would do things like meditate under a waterfall or go into rooms full of cayenne pepper and do these kind of torturous pain tests. Um, But lion's mane has a mood-boosting effect as well. It's not just you know, a, a get thing kind get things kind of done, you know, put in your coffee sort of affair. It's really something that can actually boost your, your mood, which is what we all need. But so I started to associate Reishi being the heart, right, and Lion's Mane being the mind, as that you can actually take the two in conjoined and it's like you're creating a heart-mind connection because they're both associated monastically. You know, you traditionally would take reishi and go meditate. In fact, a lot of people, when they first take reishi, that's what they do. They go and they sit under a tree and they feel kind of calm and shen. And with lion's mane, it's a different kind of calm. Um, And again, like I was saying to you before, you know, the need to kind of take it sequentially for at least a week or or more, depending on the person, to really feel the effects of that actual lion's mane. Um. But yeah, I've learned to love Lion's Mane a lot. It's I had Lion's Mane today too. <laughs> Good. I actually, I actually had all four. Right. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think that kind of th- there's there's more to Lion's Mane, but that kind of covers it really. Um, yeah, absolutely. Is, so, well, so where I guess can the listeners find I guess you online and get their hands on some of these supplements? Um, well, we're avail- like in Australia, we're available. Um, in all sorts of health outlets, like all over the country, but we're also available at 
tlixer.com, which is T-E-E-L-I-X-I-R.com. Um, and we've like for people who are like a bit uh, intimidated, I guess, by like just starting to take straight mushrooms, we've even got these um, lattes, which actually we won an award for last Friday. So oh, it was congratulations. Super, super exciting. I was going to awesome. tell you, I forgot. Um, yeah. So, and, and they're awesome. I mean, um, there's one which has got like reishi, rose and cacao, which I, for a period was like having that every day religiously. And what's really cool about that is that everyone knows cacao is like good for the heart and, you know, you associate it with Valentine's Day and all that sort of thing. Well, reishi is associated with the heart. So you're like, oh, cool. It's a double stack. <laughs> and then when you think about rose, which like reishi is also associated with the liver, you've got this liver heart quality to it. But it's really, these are kind of, they're still medicinal doses or tonic doses. Um, but they're, they're in a way that people can approach them. And we've got like a turmeric latte drink as well. And that one's got cordyceps. We've got a matcha. We use ceremonial matcha. We didn't skimp, um, which is, you know, directly from Japan. And we've put lion's mane with that because both lion's mane That's and how I matcha. Have it. That's how I have it every day. Yeah, because of the L3 in yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't know that you had a product though. I'll have to get my hands on yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and ceremonial matcha. So it's like, yeah. it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, nice. And, um, and the last one is like, a, is, is beets and, and chaga because again, that earthy aspect to it as well. And it's got chocolate in it too, so if you like chocolate. Oh, nice. I'm um, going to get my hands on one of all of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, so we've got them and yeah, they're pretty cool. Awesome. So just to wrap up, what is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about? Yeah, it's funny because I had this discussion with Dan the other day. I mean, I've on Dan's, can I say multiple things? Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. So, because uh, I agree with Dan on this, like I think that one thing that people are kind of um, missing is they're always looking for what do I put in my, my, my coffee or my tea or my drinks or what do I put in rather than, you know, what, what do I exit out? The big thing, and we're all kind of like guilty of this in the modern day age is, um, the blue light that we're, it's just so embedded in our lives. Now we're getting completely out of biorhythm. You know, we're not shutting down our, pineal glands at night properly so that we can sleep and get proper rest. And that's like basically making it more and more difficult for us to get through the next day. And then it becomes this cycle. And then we we come home and we're trash. So we watch Netflix and whatever. So I think that the blue light thing's huge, right? Whether it's like your mobile phone, your tablet, your TV or or whatever it is, or even like the the LED lights that everyone now has in their their homes, they're really wrecking things. The other thing is get out and do some exercise because exercise is really important. Whatever it is that you choose to do, it doesn't have to be like hectic running. You can just go for a walk or if you're more into like yoga and qigong and things like that, I think those are really beneficial. So that's what Dan wanted to talk about. So let's get that out of the way. <laughs> um, and I look, I, I do, I think those things are really important. But the thing that I am um, becoming really interested in and it's funny because this particular person has really sanctioned a lot of the work that we've done. So it's it's really good to to know that we're on the right path. And that's the work of this guy called Anthony Williams, or some of you might know him as the medical medium. And um, he's like the celery juice guy. And he talks significantly about viral issues. It seems that um, if, if we're to go by what he says... Um, viruses and like the viral loads of which basically manifest in different ways for different people are kind of almost like the root cause of the modern day malady um whether it be you know um you know depression or ADD or post traumatic stress disorder um to things like Lyme disease um, Hashimoto's and all these other things, you know, I mean, you guys can look it up, whatever. Um, and, um, to me, it's just really interesting to look at things and go, if it does turn out to be that simple, that viruses are really our issue, we can actually kind of be much more laser focused and look at those, look at the viruses in our systems and figure out ways that we can actually incorporate antiviral lifestyles and antiviral foods and really start to actually have a better quality of life. Because one thing that I've noticed, um, I'm in my forties. <laughs> I've noticed that people are in their twenties, right? When I was in my twenties, no one was sick. Not really. Yeah. And totally. you know, and people did whatever the hell they want. 
read between the lines, whatever. Um, and I'm noticing that the kids nowadays are sicker. They've got more skin conditions, which is really that outer reflection of what's going on. Um, they're more fatigued, particularly adrenally fatigued. And I think it's um, a combination of, I guess, the ancestral stacks where things have just become more and more intense over time you know, in terms of like the loads in our body, but also the increase in toxins. And and again, like that, you know, people are plugged in to like technology constantly. They're just getting like a, a belt of, of blue light and EMFs and, and other negative frequency ways. And there's just, there's no ending to it. And especially if you live in the city, you've got this thing called the beta grid. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Like I, I'm super lucky. I actually live in a, a mud brick house. I don't turn my internet off though. <laughs> but I mean, I could. I literally don't have a smart meter. Like my meter is like two or 300 meters from my house. Like I'm super lucky. And that, and that has definitely been some relief because I'm sensitive. I don't think I could live in the city the way most people can. I visit it and you actually get really excited being in the city because you can feel the energy of that. Yeah. But- for those who live in that, it's just consistently fatiguing. And anyway, so, but getting back to like the whole thing of, of viruses, if viruses are the root cause and all these other little things like the blue light and not getting enough exercise and not getting enough fresh air and having um, too many um, pesticides in our foods and listening to too much loud music and, and whatever it is, it's just like stacks. And ultimately what's going to happen is just like a Jenga game. Right, you're gonna pull one of those things out, thinking, "Ah, oh, it's not that much," right? And the whole stack will collapse, and that's when your health will collapse. So, be mindful of that. Look at at all these things and see where you're at. And actually, if if you're in your twenties and you're already sick, you know, buyer beware. Right? It's it's happening now. Like, don't hide under that and and think that that's not real. And if you're older and you're just starting to get sick, look at the things you've done in your life and your lifestyle and figure out how you can actually incorporate, you know, um, uh, you know, better technologies and 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 better things to actually fix that for you. And yeah, I mean, look, that's I think that's why I've had a, such a good run, man. Like in in short, is that the mushrooms they have these antiviral and antibacterial properties and They've kept me healthy a long time. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, and for, I hope that wasn't too long. And for all the listeners, if you learned anything from this episode, take a screenshot, share it on your phone, tag myself, tag Jules too. I'll put all the links to the business and, and your links below so that everybody has access. And so I appreciate you coming into the into the studio and sharing some of that with us. Thanks, no man. No worries, man. It was awesome. I no hope you enjoyed worries. the shower drink. Yeah, I loved it. Isn't I, it good? Thank you so it's much, maple man. maple syrup, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right, man. We'll catch you soon. No worries. Thank you. See you, mate. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.